0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth Podcast. It is a pleasure to be with you all today. And uh, if you enjoy the show, rate, review, subscribe, tell it to your friends, support the sponsors. YoKratom.com, SheathUnderwear.com, promo code RYM, 20% off. Not the cradums because it's already too discounted, but you can use that code on YoDelta.com. Get yourself some gummies and have yourself an excellent summer. What's up, dudes? It's nice to be back with everybody. I got a killer show coming at you today. All sorts of topics, all sorts of zingers. And, of course, Gary Richide, author of A Twisted History of the United States of America, on in the back of the show. Porch tour dates dropping soon. Uh, AP's Ender made me a fucking awesome poster. Some sick shit. Maybe we'll print it on some t-shirts and sign some titties. All right, let's get into the news. That's all the announcements. I, I like to give everyone a full minute to join the live stream, but you missed it. That was the uh, Pander and Stall section. And now we're done with it. We're done stalling. I stalled. I did it. I, I said nonsense, I, I made the plugs, I made all the announcements, we, we got the sponsors, we did all the stalling we needed to do to give you adequate time to not even get notified by YouTube because they don't like to let you know that the uh, uh, the incredibly fact-checked channel supported by Russia was here with actual information, which by the way, if we learn one thing from the last two years of news, it's that um, Russia seems to have some good talking points. I mean, like if you really look at what's been accurate over the last couple of years, uh, we should be going over to Russia just get some 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 Putin news because those Russian talking points uh, seem to be on point. They're doing a better job than our own intelligence community in terms of uh, getting accurate information to the American people. All right so here we go. Uh, let's start off with the uh, let's pay tribute you know the changing times in society and we all have to work towards being more inclusive of trying to pick up the downtrodden, welcoming other classes and races into our culture. And uh, you gotta pay tribute to some of the organizations that have done the overhaul. They've put in the effort and they figured out how to be more inclusive. And that's why I'd like to take a moment and uh, really recognize the efforts of the Nazis in 2023 and the restructuring that they've been able to go under to somehow become a more inclusive movement. It really is incredible that they're able to get up with the times, you know? They, they became not cool. What are they, got 50 members who are willing to go down to Charlottesville and then get peed on? And, and, you know, it looked like the Nazis were finished. It looked like they couldn't possibly make a comeback. But then they sat down, they had a meeting, and they realized, hey, if we're going to want to be successful in 2023, we're going to have to diversify. We're, we're going to have to get Jews out in the Ukraine, we're going to have to get Mexicans involved down in Texas, and we're going to have to get little Indian boys involved down in Washington, D.C. And so you really, you got to give these people credit for uh, just, you know, updating the structure so that they could figure out how to be more successful. Uh, And so let's take a look at the uh, most recent news story, which was, of course, Washington, D.C. yesterday. Uh, And, you know, I really do get concerned for the youth of America, because here you've got a 19-year-old, uh, I guess he just recently got out of uh, high school, and he wants to overtake the White House. He doesn't have any tools. He doesn't have any bombs. He doesn't have any guns, uh, but he does have a book with a plan for the next group of people. So we're, we're, we're really failing our kids here. I mean, what are they teaching these kids in school? If this guy thought just ramming... He, here's what I'm thinking. So he had that, uh, that just apparently the only thing he had with him was a Nazi flag. He really wanted to make sure that if they were going to search the van and then take a picture with what was inside of the van, that they wouldn't miss the Nazi flag. Because sometimes if you have other equipment to actually uh, pull off your mission, you know, people might not see the Nazi flag. But if you get a whole van and then there's nothing in there except the Nazi flag, the news cameras can't miss it. Uh, And maybe we're looking at this and going, this guy's crazy. What are you doing? You're, you're, You're gonna try and overtake the White House with an empty van? That's not gonna work. But here's what we don't realize. You know, Joe Biden's always talking about fighting for the soul of a nation. We don't know what would happen if a flag got across that gate. Who knows? Maybe if a Nazi flag got across the gate, there's some magical force field. And then, boom, we would have lost the soul of the nation. We would have watched Joe Biden just turn to dust like in one of those uh, stupid fucking comic book hero movies. And then we'd all realize that, you know, he was actually winning that fight for the soul of the nation until Cy Kandula came around and actually got a flag over that border fence. Uh, so anyways, another confusing story. Have the tides of white nationalism and Nazis, Nazism grown as the Charlottesville talking point faded away and they couldn't continue to yell about the domestic terrorism? And then we see more evidence on January 6th of the possibility of the FBI's involvement We even got that whistleblower hearing recently where they're talking about all the things that are going on in the FBI. You got the Boston office saying that the DC office said that they can't look at any of the footage because there might've been agent provocateurs down on the ground. And so they realized, well, we're going to need some more white nationalists out there to keep this Nazi thing going. And now they can only recruit brown people. I don't know. I can't pretend to have all the facts. All right, what else we got? What else we got on the docket, producer man? Oh, uh, in terms of continuing this storyline about the horrific racism that exists in America, uh, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. I didn't know that you could still use that term colored people. It seems like the only organization that's using the term colored people, maybe this is, oh, maybe I might be doing something really bad. Maybe that's almost like the N-word where like they're allowed to say the N word, but I can't say the N word. Is that true of this organization too? Like, let's say this was the National Association of N. Would you be allowed to say that? Confusing times. I don't know the new rules. You know, last time I bought a bathing suit for a little child, they weren't able to tuck their penis in it. It's a it's a different world. Now you gotta go uh, try on swimsuits with the with your kid and see which one's best for tucking their penis into. You got to, you got to bring them to the mall. You got to go into the mirrors. Come on out. Let me see that bathing suit and make sure that none of the other kids can see your penis that you're trying to hide. It's confusing to keep on top of all these rules. So you can't be getting upset at me if I, uh, if I'm getting little details wrong here and there, it's changing all the time. But here you've got the, uh, national Oregon association for the advancement of colored people want to put an end to spring break in Florida. They're going, Hey, Florida's unwelcoming. To, to go go down to Florida and talk to all the uh, black people that live down there because they seem to be having a good time. All the ones I met seem to be uh, happy-go-lucky, getting along in the Florida environment because even colored people don't like gay people. If there's one thing that whites and blacks can agree on, it's uh that one. I mean, that, that was a joke, everybody. I meant the advancement of the stuff in the school. We're all pro-freedom and putting your dick wherever you want as long as it's not little kids and it's consensual and there's probably other things that I should add to that you know what just be in, just be married to be safe don't be putting your dick anywhere other than your 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 married wife who's of legal age uh and who has definitely agreed to it on that specific evening because you had a romantic dinner and and make sure that Jesus is there actually giving you his blessing and if you don't feel like it's been blessed by by Jesus then don't be doing it at all I just want to make sure that I'm 100% right on everything and that nobody could possibly be offended by my words or misconstrue it as offensive. YouTube. All right? So if, you, if, if anyone of the overlords are listening, I'm on whatever side you want me to be on. I'm just trying to hash out the details because it, it gets confusing here. All right, what else we got? Donald Trump. This was, uh, I don't even know if Donald Trump actually sent this out, but someone put out the tweet that uh, uh, he was calling Tiny Ron DeSantis. And five, seven, that's an inch taller than me. I don't like Trump anymore. That's not cool. And Don, 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 Ron DeSantis got some broad shoulders. He's a broad shouldered 57 seven. He's not like a Tom Cruise five, six. He's not a thin little twink, five, six. He's a broad shouldered five, seven. If you're, if that's going to be considered tiny, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Donald Trump, you go make fun of other people. Don't be making fun of the shorts. Uh, go back to talking about the Mexican rapists that I liked. And now we got Ron DeSantis to make 2024 U.S. presidential official with Musk on Twitter. Uh, and what what a power move by Elon Musk to try and get the Trump back. Where he's like, look what's going on on Twitter. I know you want to. You, this All this attention could be yours, Mr. Trump. You really want to be on the sidelines and just ceding this entire ground to Ronnie DeSantis, boy? Uh, by the way, forget, forget a, a, a tiny tiny Ron which is better than whatever that was he should call him Ron de waterboard that, that, that would get the point across you want to you want to criticize him for Ron de gitmo but I, I don't want to hear anything about how small how small Ron de, DeSantis is that is a perfectly adequate sized man with impressive shoulders uh now this coming out party on uh making an adjustment here I feel like my mic. All right, I feel like that's gonna be better levels. I was uh, I, if if you guys listened to the first part and you're like those levels weren't perfect, the the fucking producer guy, he's always making fucking changes here. Anyways, trying to talk about this meeting between Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis, which is uh probably gonna just go on for like four hours. Cause I've seen Musk in an interview, he takes some long ass pro- pauses. I can't imagine being interviewed by Musk, where you're like, you gonna ask me another question? How how much longer I gotta wait for a question? We, we just sitting here awkwardly because i'm still waiting for the next question all right what else we got what else we got going on oh dude ukraine reporting is really getting childish i'll just read you the headlines uh yeah the wagner declared full capture of Bakhmut after 224 days of fighting and then Zelensky going no we still have it this is where we're at we got one side declaring we won and the other one going no they didn't i beat him no he didn't i'm the winner no i won no you won." And then just Linsky going, we still need your money. You still have to send us your cash. We need to, f- we still fighting most important battle. And NATO should be coming here. That, that's where we're at. That's where, the war's going to be over. We're going to be at a point where Putin literally has all of Ukraine. He's just grilling at the border and going, listen... This is all I wanted. I just wanted this line right here. I'll never go over there. And then they're still going to be talking about how uh, we're fighting the evil eyes of Mordor here. And if it gets through Ukraine, it's going to go to the entire world. And literally Putin's going to be sit there just fucking flipping burgers. And Zelensky's still going to be on the news going, we're beating them. We're beating them. Just send us a little bit more money. We're totally winning right here. And then this is great. After Zelensky goes, no, 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 we're totally winning. Then by the next day, they go, Ukraine pulls out of all but insignificant sliver of Bakhmut. So by the next day, they're already like, no, no, no they, they just they, they got a sliver of it. They didn't, they didn't get the, there's just a little tiny piece. They didn't beat us. There's just a little tiny piece over there. And then by the next day, it goes, as Russia claims victory in Bakhmut, Ukraine sees opportunity amid ruins. And then they go, yeah, yeah, we lost it, but this is actually better for us. So just send us more money. Because even though we lost that thing that we said that we won, and then we said that they only took a piece of, now we can actually... Refocus our efforts. Maybe we'll double refocus. We actually spoke to Kamala Harris, and she said that if we did a if we if we did a doubling, if we doubled down, and we recircled back, then we could actually figure out how to make this mission successful. And then, of course, amidst it all, Biden goes, "Don't worry, we'll send you more money." Speaking of sending money, you know what you should do? Don't even order from sheathunderwear.com at this point. Just send them bags of money. Just go i appreciate the support that you've got for the run your mouth podcast and even though you guys have the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man i just want you to have some of my money to continue to support the robbie the fire enterprises as you've so diligently done for over a year we're on like a we're on the second year stretch coming into summer porch store well i will be rocking my sheaths all summer long because you don't want to be traveling on planes with loose sweaty nuts I'm going to be at Childerberg this upcoming week, which come hang out. You can get tickets just for the comedy show, 20 bucks. You can camp for 60 bucks. It's a, it's an unbelievable hang. And we're going to have our ceremony to get rid of uh, the World Economic Forum. I mean By get rid of them, I mean that our ceremony will be so effective, they just realize, oh my God, why are we trying to control the human race and have centralized government authority that's going to lead to famine and death? When what we could do is just allow the world to operate with free markets and have peace and prosperity. And they're just going to realize it they're going to be sitting down on the toilet one day and they're just going to realize what have I done? And then they're going to repent so that maybe they can uh, still have a little slice of heaven and not be responsible for mass starvation and death. But so I want to be clear that when we say we're getting rid of it, our ceremony is going to be so effective that the spirits in the universe are going to come to Carl Schwab on the toilet and he's going to just write his evil ways. And I'm only able to to, to run ceremonies like this because the backing in support of the sheath underwear lobby. And so, you know, they can support your nuts as much as they support this institution. Go to uh, sheathunderwear.com, use promo card RYM, and get yourself 20% off. All right, here we go. The FBI just got caught in yet more massive, outrageous FISA abuses. Now, I've always considered this to be the case that they're tracking our efforts. They're tracking everything that we do. They know our very thoughts. We've got phone in our pockets, radiating cancer at our balls listening every conversation we have, and then marketing us the devices that we said that we couldn't afford keeping us compulsive and miserable, knowing that we can't afford the vacation that we've been talking about with our friends. And they're like, look, your fantasy could be a reality if you just had more money. Just look at your phone right now. We know that you were talking about that vacation. Here's the picture of the exact beach that you want to go on. Just put yourself into debt. You can buy that beach vacation. Hey, that watch, you know that you can't afford here. It's right here. We're going to follow you around all day so you can see how much of a loser you are that you can't afford the exact watch you've been talking about. We know you've been talking about this watch. We know you want this watch. And so they're out there all the time. They're listening to us. They're collecting all of our thoughts. They're collecting our conversations. The NSA, it's got all of it. But here's the thing. They're not allowed to look at this shit. So they got to backdoor their way in. It's all there, but they got to figure out a way to actually access it. And this was just like a broad theory of mine. Turns out it's roughly true. Apparently the FISA, they got got information on all of us, but unless you're uh, from a foreign country, or they think you're involved in, I guess, some sort of terrorism or something involving foreign countries. They're not allowed to look at this data. So you know what the FBI did? Well, they just looked at it. They got some January 6th stuff. They wanted to see if any of those people had ties to people internationally. And so they just, uh, I think, even skirted the FISA processes to, to go take a look at all this information. One, validates the fact that they're kind of just have data on all of us. They just have to figure out a way to backdoor it. Two, I bet it's just because of all the news we got last week with the FBI that they're holding on to some Hunter Biden document. You got these whistleblowers coming, coming through. They keep saying, oh, we're looking to reform stuff. So now they got to start getting ahead of some shit before it comes out and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know that we got to reform the FISA process. That's why we admitted to this thing. How much else do you think is going on out there? All right, here's a bombshell. Apparently Bill Gates was having an affair with the early version of the female that they were building in the Greta Thunberg lab when him and Epstein were getting together and they were figuring out how they were gonna pitch the global warming shit so that they could take over the human race and they were developing an autistic Greta Thunberg model with the perfect face to somehow garner American sympathy as she cries and yells as if she's the child from the exorcism. Well, before they could do that, obviously they weren't gonna put out the second version until Bill Gates had sex with the first version. I mean, that's just the way evil works. If you're going to have a lab where you're going to create autistic children who are going to go out into the wild and yell about that the world is coming to an end so that they can frighten everybody into thinking that the world's going to be over in two days from now unless he ate cancerous product that was developed in a lab instead of cow and other things that we've been eating for our entire lives, you're going to have to have sex with Model 1 first just to make sure it's working properly. You can't just put Model 2 out without Model 1 being developed. So here you got Bill Gates having sex with Greta Thunberg 1. And then we got the newspaper articles talking about how Jeffrey Epstein is out there trying to blackmail Bill Gates. And you'd think if he was blackmailing Bill Gates, it would be for a juicier story than uh, him just having an affair with some Russian bridge player, right? You would think that there would be children. You'd have cancerous crime labs. You'd have, hey, I know what you're doing with that World Health Organization. You know what I mean? You would think that there would be uh, bigger and bolder claims And uh, I did a longer take of this on part of the problem, which is out on gas today, coming out tomorrow, recorded yesterday. Uh, But, and I'm just theorizing here, let's say Melinda was not the kind of cool billionaire wife that lets her husband go out and have affairs. So potentially getting caught in your affair can cost you $50 billion epstein he's tracking these people all the time trying to figure out what kind of dirt and information he can find on them he sees that he's that he's having an affair so then he goes and he gets the lady and he gets her an apartment pays for a school in new york city and starts sending the postcards to gates and going hey look i know what you did i'm going to destroy your marriage and you know how you get me you keep me from getting out this information all you got to do is start a charitable fund with me and why does epstein want to have a charitable fund with bill gates Because then think about the meetings he's able to take on the basis of, hey, I've got your access to the Gates money. Hey, I'm working with Gates on a charitable organization. It raises his personal profile of who he can mingle with and pretending like he exists in polite society, which could have been uh, the scheme. And so maybe he didn't always blackmail people with the kids stuff. Uh, Report finds nearly 2,000 kids abused by Catholic clergy in Illinois over decades. What were they competing? 2,000? Bud Light distributor issues public plea to bring back angry customers. This is great in the Midwest. You get these uh, all these people that were working with Bud Light, and now they got to take out commercials, being like, "We don't like gay people either." Okay, we're just—I uh, don't know what the corporate brand's doing, but I'm just like you. And then speaking of which, you got Targets removing some LGBTQ merchandise following customer backlash, and uh, of course they did it in the—they're like, we're, "We're just now afraid that all of our uh, all the people working here are going to be attacked." We would love to provide the garments for your children who need to tuck their penises in schools. But sadly, uh, our, our storekeepers are, are being attacked. So we can't, we can't have that here anymore. And then last article before we turn over to Gary Richide, author of A Twisted History of the United States, here with some bombshell information in regards to Russia. Of course, we've got The Who coming out, warning us that the next pandemic will be even deadlier than COVID. And it's coming for you. And uh, I read articles like this and I'm like, maybe we don't want Fauci working in the labs. Can we just get him back? I don't care. I don't care if he's on the news telling us about mass. I guess that's better than whatever he's building in a lab now. All right, so now that's uh, that's the end of my portion of uh, the Run Your Mouth podcast. Of course, go check out uh, yoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo, the only place in the entire world you can get a tire kilo of Kratom for just $60. And now let's, uh, let's get some actual information from a friend of the show, Gary Rich-Eyed, author of A Twisted History of the United States of America, and you said that you just read an incredible book with some bombshells and you wanted to give us the dirty deets. What's up, Robbie? Good to see you, man. You as well. What's going on, dude?
1: Last time we were talking about the petrodollar, now we're talking about World War II again. And, man, the more I read about these tomes, and this is certainly one, it's pretty thick by Sean McMeekin at Bard College, the more it comes down to, and you guys talk about this on part of the problem and run your mouth all the time, It's really all about World War II. Uh, We're living in a post-World War II kind of apocalypse that continues in perpetual crisis and emergency. And it's the use of that emergency and the historical interpretation of it that leads the American regimes and others to perpetuate this perpetual state of emergency that always leads to the diminution, uh, if not the absolute obviation and emptying of basic civil liberties and rights all for the purpose of fighting a war against like the Cold War, to fight a war on poverty, to fight all of these things. So this is what, in part, McMeekin's book, uh, Stalin's War, really takes, uh, takes hold of. And the, whole, the real revelation and why this book, I think, should be read by anyone who's interested in kind of recasting and understanding of World War II is because what are we taught in school? And every American high school, even grade school and college, all the framing of World War II is about what? It's all about, it's really Hitler's war, right? It's this notion of American democracy and the forces for freedom and all these cliches fighting against German totalitarianism. But what's never taken into account is, again, as I say in Twisted History of the United States, and this is what Sean McMeekin really kind of backs up, is that this was really a coup for the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, as we know, would never have existed, never been able to even fight and even emerge ultimately the true winner of World War II without the largesse and wealth of American capitalism being funneled into the Soviet Union. And so I got what, like what is pages that and, notes
0: on this. And so is that before the start of World War II we were supporting the Soviet Union? Yes. Even before Pearl Harbor, when Hitler launched
1: Operation Barbarossa, which was the invasion of the Soviet Union. And mind you that before that, The Nazis and the Soviets, Stalin and Hitler, had a non-aggression treaty, in which they worked together and cooperated in dividing Eastern Europe, not just Poland, but vast stretches of Eastern Europe. And the Soviets invaded Finland for no particular reason, and that was something that pissed off Hitler because, uh, remember, Germany doesn't have a lot of resources, so they had to go out to other places like the Caucasus to get oil, to Finland to get nickel, to... Get all their stuff to fight these wars. So when Hitler or when Stalin invades, it's like Hitler's trying to negotiate, trying to keep the Soviets at bay, and ultimately make sure that he gets all these resources while fighting eventually the Western powers. So that's so. The, that's
0: uh, so why didn't uh, Hitler just claim Iceland when they were doing the the Great Divide here? Claim Iceland? Oh wait, why did you say that, that, that the USSR invaded? Oh. Uh, Finland. Oh, Finland. Finland. I got yeah, the land part right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Even though, uh, because Hitler was so concerned about the Soviets taking over Finland, he actually aided the Finns in fighting the Soviets. I mean, World War II is just a the utter catastrophe of all ages. Um, But uh, to contextualize this, and I'm glad why you had me on now, I was thinking about, you know, you guys have been talking so extensively about the Durham report and how the narrative was always that Trump was a A a Russian asset. In reality, the greatest asset of Russia slash the Soviet Union in American history was FDR. FDR was thoroughly Stalin's bitch in every situation, in every situation. He bends over for Stalin in ways that even Stalin and Molotov and all these Soviet advisors were shocked. And this is what McMeekin reveals, because the guy knows Russian fluently. He's, he knows Turkic. I mean, this guy's a real scholar, a real scholar. So can you give us a, oh.
0: uh, give us some of the uh, bullet points of FDR folding to Stalin and oh, in theory, God. why he even, I guess, like, why was he supporting Stalin? Why was, uh, is that pre us going to war with Germany?
1: That, this is pre us going to war with Germany. Yeah. It was, pre, it was, yeah, it was so even before Pearl Harbor, which is just remember, we now know and Scott Horton uh, has done a lot of research on this too is that there were memorandum that have now been discovered that there was just a gigantic plan to use uh, aggressive tactics against Japan to have Japan attack uh, attack us so that the roosevelt administration could then declare war on germany you see okay. as they were partners and so that this is huge uh, what 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 everything that stalin like in his wildest dreams Never thought Wait, so that you're saying America, Roosevelt
0: right. wanted to get into the war specifically to support Stalin. In part, in okay. part. This
1: is McMeekin's McMeegan's grand thesis is that the the American foreign policy apparatus, the State Department, under these guys like Harry Dexter White and Harry Hopkins. Get this, Harry Hopkins was like the Walter Durante of Soviet dupes. This guy, everything that he could do to funnel aid to the Soviet union. He did think about this, Robbie, just before, so there were laws on the books in the 1920s and thirties called the neutrality acts. So you could not by law funnel monies into areas where our countries that were already belligerents in war. So once the Soviet union invaded Finland, they're no longer a neutral party. Okay. So, When Lend-Lease is signed, which is just a bill, it's just a gigantic giveaway. When the Congress signed it, it was meant to help Britain fight the war against Nazi Germany. But against the Neutrality Acts, because the the Lend-Lease program said explicitly you couldn't be funneling money to the Soviet Union because they were belligerent in the war. Roosevelt just said, fuck it, we'll just do it secretly. So they were sending huge I mean, there's no way like he's he chronicles. We're talking about tons and tons of war material. We're talking about direct monetary aid. Um, The Soviets were allowed to seize, for example, gold assets of the United States and foreign currencies in the Soviet Union and in areas that they conquered. We sent them literal gold, okay? In the end, the, the total Amount for American aid to the Soviet Union was twelve billion dollars, twelve billion dollars, which by the way today amounts to in American dollars over a trillion dollars. There's no way the Soviet Union could have fought the war. So when Barbarossa happens and and Hitler invades, but was
0: this like uh, the enemy is the of uh, my enemy is my friend? So like that we saw Germany as a bigger risk, and so we're supporting Russia. No, it's that.
1: We saw uh, that the, the Roosevelt administration saw Germany as this existential evil, which it clearly was, but didn't as a result, in part, because my enemy and my enemy is my friend, right. didn't recognize the heinous atrocities. And by the way, uh, rampant anti-Semitism massacres that were going on in the Soviet Union. Okay, um, For example, there was a Soviet purge of all Jewish officials from the Kremlin. Um, there was this Katya massacre, which was which Roosevelt knew about because advisors had found out, American advisors and other foreign officials and dignitaries had found out that the Soviets, when they invaded Poland, they exported because Stalin was always worried about Poland. Because after World War One, the Poles like f- actually fought against Soviet troops. OK, and they were like really seen as courageous. So he got 30,000 of the, of their officers including their families, so women and children, brought them into the Soviet Union and had 30,000 of them massacred. Many of them were, were Jewish officers in the Polish army and they buried them in mass graves. And Roosevelt found out about it. He said, well, he, sa- he said to William Bullitt, I have the quote here, I just have a hunch that William Bullitt was a, a State Department official. He said, William, to William Bullitt, I just have a hunch that Stalin is really quite the good guy and we can work with him. Now the question is that you're posing is why was why was the Soviet Union so able to like kind of infiltrate the Roosevelt administration and make them more pliant and friendly and uh, amiable to American aid? There were vast networks of Soviet, and this is what McMeekin chronicles too. There were vast networks of Soviet spies that were given free hand and even welcomed into the highest reaches of the American government regime during and before the war. So you have like these guys, there was, there was a guy named Harry Dexter White who was working with, and met with Roosevelt r- routinely, who was in the employment of the Soviet at the time, what was a, amounted to the KGB. He was a double agent. He was a spy. So every time like there's a chance that there's some bad news that might get to Roosevelt or even if it does get to Roosevelt, they're able to cast it, this Hopkins and White guy. In, in the framework that, ah, no, that we just really need to keep funneling money and arms and war material and aid to the Soviet Union.
0: So, in other words, the Russian spy apparatus managed to get in deep enough with Roosevelt's uh, administration that they manipulated the intelligence to let Roosevelt think that Stalin would be an asset. Correct.
1: And again, R- Roosevelt himself is not to is not blameless at all here. Of course, right. he just kind of goes along with it. He has this right. affinity,
0: a strange affinity for Stalin. Because um, well, I guess he kind of did like just socialism in general. Roosevelt. Per- precisely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: he didn't see a great
1: distinction. And that really, there wasn't between right. many of the New Deal programs and that which was implemented by Stalin and before him, Lenin. Um, you know and the, and the scandal of these things like talk about corporatism when the state and the corporations start working and collaborating together as they did so apparently during world war II. well soviet uh, uh, mcmeekin chronicles about how all these things like for example um there was a, a this fascinating story about how the soviets were so intent about getting all of these planes and ships and materials you name it from we, we even ship by the way get this how scandalous this is in 1943 the uh, state department received a request from moscow for enriched uranium really we, and we sent over enriched uranium to speed up the soviet nuclear armament process so everybody's yes. like remember, right. remember when you were in school and you're like how did the soviets get a nuclear weapon so fast i mean they have a right. nuclear a weaponized nuclear weapon by 1949 well because they were stealing all of the secrets that we opened, the Roosevelt administration just opened their doors to Soviet spies and we're bringing them back. I mean, Robbie, we're talking about like whole factories, whole factories were dismantled in the United States and brought over to the Soviet Union and, and put there. I mean, American pilots were flying extremely dangerous missions over the Arctic Ocean. Why? Because Stalin didn't want to get the arms at Vladivostok in the Near East. He wanted them to fly it over the Arctic Ocean. And by the way, like some some ridiculous number of those planes got shot down by the German Luftwaffe. We're talking like 30, 40 percent kill rates. And this was all to appease Stalin. And all that was peace.
0: and that was that must have already been during World War Two.
1: Yes, that's when the, the war started picking up. But but actually the, the Lend-Lease shipment started even before right. Pearl Harbor. So but they really picked up during the war. So, so uh, all right, so you if, have one story that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, okay, real quick because I know I'm monopolizing that. Uh, but uh, there was an incident in which the the Soviets were coordinating with the Americans to get fighter planes to the to the USSR. Okay? Right. So there was so there was a Soviet agent. His name was Latvov, and he was in Newark Airport. And there was an there was an incident in which a Soviet plane got uh, brushed up against an American Airlines uh, plane this laugh-off guy got so angry that he demanded the pilot of the American Airlines plane be dragged out of the plane and executed. Okay. Okay, this is right. how much pull the Soviets had with all the officials in the, in the so while the, the pilot was not ex, uh, executed, from that point on Hopkins, who was working, by the way, Hopkins was living in the White House during World War II, He's living in the Lincoln bedroom. Right. I think there was something going on between roosevelt and hopkins but that's I for think another they were
0: story. lovers
1: i suspect i think Ooh, there's something that this just got
0: there. juicy you should have led with that hopkins was gay <laughs> lovers with a soviet spy and <laughs> so he I sent know. all the nuclear materials over to russia
1: oh no i think there's something going on with he was in he was in, him and roosevelt
0: were in love yeah yeah, hopkins and roosevelt oh yes okay i thought you're talking about the soviet spy no okay. no no. roosevelt oh hopkins was the american yes right oh, but he was. but wait so who was the russian spy Laugh-off. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyways, so this is juicy. We got Roosevelt's got a gay lover named Hopkins. He Does Hopkins got a Robbie. mustache also? I don't know. I could. I, no, I don't think so. But he lived in
1: the White House. Oh, for so Roosevelt
0: was the bear, and the other guy was the twink.
1: I, I, I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's hard to think of Roosevelt as a bear because he was crippled, you know. So I'm thinking he's the twink. Oh, okay. Uh, could be. Queen, I don't right? know. I don't that know how it works. I don't know. Okay, I don't Robert know the rules. We'll have cripple. to. We'll have to consult a gay.
0: I'll, I'll ask. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the scandal of all this is, of course, is that when you think about it and, and McMeekin ha- makes has this voluminous. I mean, you should see the footnotes in this book. It right. takes up 150 pages. But it basically is that American capitalism and the fruits of American free market enterprise that was built up in the decades prior to World War II, and then eventually kind of expropriated by the American government and directed was go- was sent off to funnel aid to the USSR, which became, of course, everybody could see it, Churchill saw it too, by the way, Churchill was a bitch too to Stalin, but Churchill saw it very clearly, became the existential enemy of the United States. There's no way the, Uni- the USSR, as McMeegan points out, emerges after World War II so overwhelmingly triumphant. I mean, everything that Stalin could have dreamed of, he gets as a result of World War II. And by the way, you were wondering about why they had such a misplaced kind of affinity for Stalin is because Churchill and Roosevelt were always bombarded with these stories about the millions, we're talking about 20 million deaths in the Soviet Union alone during World War II. But did Stalin care about mass deaths of his own people? No, of course he didn't. So he played upon Western sympathies for bearing the burden of fighting Hitler in the East to get all these concessions. One more thing. There was... Uh, the, uh, the Americans working in the Soviet Union to get all the aid spoke to one general. It was another general, I forget his name at the time, a Soviet general. And they said, Well, the Nazis are putting all these landmines in the Ukraine and, and Western Russia um, to thwart a Russian counterattack or a Soviet counterattack. Don't you want some landmine like detectors? The general said this in quote, he said in the Soviet union, we don't use landmine detectors. We use, oh, people. we just send people,
0: right? We just send our people. Right. So here's my question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. so I understand, I guess, leading up to world war two, they see, they see what's going on in Germany and they go, Hey, listen, we need the Russians to kind of be keeping Germany in check. So they start somewhat siding with, uh, with, uh, uh, What's his name? Um, Stalin. Stalin, right? They're they're working with Stalin. Then World War Two actually breaks out, and now we're actually working with Stalin. Now yeah, we're I saw at, we're, they're all allies, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw the movie uh, Patton. I thought there was a great scene in the movie Patton when the war's over and they're celebrating with the Russians, and Patton says to him, "Listen, I'm going to be fighting you next." And he goes, and the Russians like, "Well, we'll be fighting you next, but tonight we can celebrate." And mm-hmm. at least the way they portrayed in that movie was that Patton recognized that Russia was going to be the enemy, and he was yeah. annoyed that we were going home because he was like, why are we going home? The job's not done. We have to go fight the Russians. Yeah. So w- what was that? I guess, it, at least I, I mean, it's a movie. That's where I get my history from, is from fictional movies. But yeah. I guess there was some sentiment amongst within the United States of acknowledging that Russia was going to be the enemy. So what then transitioned after World War II? And I'll just add one caveat here. It's incredibly Mm. stupid to have developed nuclear, like a technology like the nuclear bomb and be sharing that with anybody. That just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Right.
1: And it, it shows the level of infiltration. And that is the word I would say is key here. The level of sophisticated infiltration that the Soviet spy network and intelligence had with, again, granted an open door by the Roosevelt administration. Uh, For example, like, and I'll get back to your question in a moment, but just to further illustrate this, I mean, when Soviet officials would go and visit like US arm manufacturers, Ford plants, Boeing plants, McDonnell Douglas plants, they would ask, can we see the plans for building the warplane or this technology you're using? And the the corporate heads would be like, well, no, not really. I mean, (laughs) but then there'd be always a, a Roosevelt official going, give it to them. So we and McMakin, he goes back in the Soviet archives and he finds the war plans. I mean, there's like detailed right. like uh, uh, designs. So yeah, this was a marriage of convenience that turned into a kind of Roosevelt-Stalin love affair, and it was b- based upon these weird sympathies that were developed. Do you think and Roosevelt I mean,
0: and Stalin ever had sex? Uh,
1: I don't think so, but uh, I would way Stalin was into him, uh, but I think Roosevelt would have uh, would have done anything. To so you think Stalin. you
0: think Roosevelt was gay and he was probably also secretly in love with Stalin because he loved the fact that he could just murder people and get away with it. He had a power that Roosevelt didn't. and the, are,
1: That power, that libido dominandi, that desire, right. that inherent desire to dominate. I think Roosevelt saw the amount of totalitarian control that the Vosges, that's the uh, that's the Russian term for the kind of new czar under communism that Stalin was that Stalin was able to wield, and he wished he had the same type of- so,
0: But what was the post, like, how did it transition hmm. post-World War II that I guess we started going, hey, Russia's the enemy?
1: Okay, it becomes apparent because, so, okay, what, what's clear too is that, like you said from the, the Patton movie, is that American officials and even Eisenhower and General Marshall, uh, George Marshall, after whom the Marshall Plan is named- uh, we're aware of these news stories coming out of particularly Eastern Europe, in which the, the Red Army was going in. Robbie, it's estimated that when the Red Army came in to former areas of Eastern Germany, Red Army troops raped two million German women. Raped two million, 2 million German women. They were raping at such um, at such rates that grandmothers were being raped. I mean we're talking about 80 year olds octogenarians that were being raped by soviet troops and when stalin by the way found out about this he's like well it's you know it's likely that they're going to need a tryst because they're fighting in the snow and ice over thousands of miles he was like he found it he actually saw and there were other officials that saw it well this was the great russification of germany i mean six stuff so uh when did it become apparent that the soviet union was the next enemy i think it was apparent to for example churchill knew it was apparent as early as 1946, he has the famous speech in Fulton, Missouri, where he says, "You know the Iron Curtain speech, which is really the sinews of peace." He from he says, "From Stettin in the Baltic, way north, to Trieste in the Adriatic, way south, an Iron Curtain has descended over Europe, and all the great capitals of Eastern Europe are now under what we would call the Soviet sphere." You know what's absolutely unnerving about that speech? If you read it, it's seen. It's interpreted in almost every classroom conventional U.S. classroom that I've ever seen that um, that this is a this is this is Churchill. Oh, my God. This is Churchill taking a really hard line with the Soviets. It's not that at all. You read it. And he's like, look, the, the Red Army was allowed to go into Central and Eastern Europe. And to quote Patton would be like, why the fuck did that happen? Why didn't you stop him? Another, another big thing was you ever wonder, and it's never tackled in any of the history classes you've had, why the, the uh, Allies absolutely insisted upon invading France to liberate Western Europe first instead of going through the South and Eastern Europe? Because guess what? That was Churchill's plan. Churchill's preference was to go from North Africa into what Hitler called himself the soft underbelly of Europe and go up from Eastern Europe. And cut off Germany, right? Basically, cut Germany in two from its occupied territories and the mainland in eastern Germany. That would have. The, but do you know why the reason was? As McMeekin he says, Stalin wanted them to open up a western front so it would take the Allies time to move west against Germany, so he could swallow up the east. Oh, interesting absolutely. And Patton recognized that. The great right. commander, Bradley, Omar Bradley, he recognized that. But again, Roosevelt was is was such in the thralls of this Stalin romance that he and we haven't even gotten to the East. It, 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 another question that is never answered in your American history, guys. What took the Soviet Union so long to declare war on Japan if they're our ally? Do you know do you know what date the Soviet Union officially declared war no, on Japan? I wouldn't Japan? know anything. <laughs> It was August fourth, right, nineteen forty-five. That's four days. I'm sorry, five days before the dropping of the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima. So in other words, they knew it was over. It was over. So what did so, the Soviet Union do? And by the way, what on these promises at Yalta that the Soviet Union would eventually enter the war in Japan after the war in Germany was and the West was over. He handed Roosevelt handed Manchuria, which is this uh, very rich province of northern China to Stalin. He basically handed it to him, no problem. And then from that point on, Stalin supported Mao in China. And that's why four years later, China turns communistic. We totally sold out our ally in China called uh, Chiang Kai-shek, named Chiang Kai-shek, who was allied with the Western powers, totally sold him out. And Stalin was able to... So think about this. So
0: Roosevelt is largely responsible for the communism of, I guess, the 19th century. He's largely responsible.
1: Think about this: a dead man by 1945, in April 1945, he dies. Is responsible for the Korean War. He's responsible for Vietnam, because without his acquiescence to Stalin in the Far East, and he given a free hand in the Far East outside of Japan, ironically, that and that was all because of Truman. Actually, Truman took a hard line in Japan. Stalin would have given him Japanese islands, frankly. Okay, or I'm sorry, Ro- uh, Roosevelt would have given Stalin Japanese islands. Uh, truman took a harder line but he's resp- Ro- Roosevelt is responsible for the fall of the most la- the largest country in terms of population on the planet earth to communism and still under the throes of communism
0: all right so we, we only got a couple minutes left because i gotta get on the highway and uh hopefully make it in time for a meeting uh so any final points on the scandalous take of uh roosevelt the gay crippled twink selling <laughs> us down the road to stalin
1: It's just, you know, the left uses these terms that maybe we ought to use, and that's the greatest lie in perhaps human history is the idea that we won World War II. I mean, McMeekin points out, if the goal of World War II is what we're told it was, to preserve Western democracy and liberalism, what was the outcome? You traded one enormous totalitarian genocidal regime For one that would go ahead and dominate and spread its ideology throughout the world for the next 50 years and lead to the imprisonment in Russian gulags of millions of Romanians, uh, Koreans, uh, Mongolians, Finns, you name it, uh, Hungarians, all in the name of Soviet communism. The great, that's why it's in part called, the book is called McMeek and Stalin's War, because He's the ultimate victor, and, and unfortunately, were we, uh, well funded by us.
0: But were we at all a victor from a banking and uh, currency standpoint?
1: That's the concession.
0: That's a concession.
1: So, so Wall Street wins.
0: <laughs> right. All right, D- dude. Fascinating recap of a book I would never read. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate the education, uh, and we'll do it again. You let us know the next time you finish a brick of a book.
1: And, yeah. Uh we'll,
0: we'll we'll get the twenty minute uh Gary recap. I like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, mean Good hey safe travels, buddy. I'll talk I'll talk to and, you.
0: And uh and plug your own book once again, a twisted history oh, of the yeah. United States. Where can people find it?
1: Yeah, great toilet book. You know, read it. It's <laughs> not as, it's not nearly as big as this. It's only three hundred pages. This is seven hundred, so go get it. It's on Amazon you should, just, all your you should make
0: book your book. next book, Roosevelt the Gay Twink. I'm telling you, that'll sell. I, that will that will <laughs> uh, can we get another forward from you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me once again. Uh everybody Summer porch Store date's coming soon. Enjoy a great Wednesday. Later everyone. Peace bud. All right. Later, dude. See ya.